expert insight, clear analysis, strategy in action. Welcome to the CEO to CEO podcast, featuring the world's top CEOs. The podcast will welcome honest conversations meant to challenge traditional ways of thinking from fellow global industry leaders. This podcast will also explore the intricate world of M&A from the insider's perspective. M&A is a big deal, one in which you can drive the future of your business, your industry, and even the trajectory of the marketplace. This podcast is hosted by Kevin Campbell, CEO of Synity. Synity is a global enterprise data solution provider specializing in data operations and data transformation. Kevin Campbell is a global champion in data and has served as the former group chief executive officer at Accenture and COO of Oscar Insurance Corporation. Bob Pryor serves as Chief Executive Officer of NTT Data Services, a trusted global innovator delivering technology-enabled services and innovative solutions to clients around the world. He previously served as Chief Operating Officer as well as Chief Integration Officer, overseeing the 22-month integration of Dell Services into NTT Data. Welcome to this week's CEO to CEO podcast. On this week's uh, episode, we're fortunate to have Bob Pryor. Bob is the CEO of NTT Data. Welcome, Bob. Hey, pleasure to be here, Kevin. Thanks. And uh, Bob, maybe we just start with uh, you talking, telling us a little bit about your career journey and how you ended up uh, as the CEO of NTT Data. You know, it's kind of like the accidental tourist. So I I actually started uh, life in college uh, with degrees in accounting, my master's accounting finance, certificate of accounting. And about that time, I figured out I didn't want to be an accountant. And I joined... EDS and went through their technical training program. So I I actually learned to program early in my career, JCL, Assembler, COBOL, Fortran, BASIC. And and it's kind of funny because if I go back to college, I studied Latin. So I'm clearly drawn to the dead languages. But being a beneficiary of training development, I'm a big believer and fan in them. I know the impact they make on people careers. And uh, most of my career has really been around IT services. So, so as a programmer in sales, leading industry groups, and in some global roles. So, um, predominantly around IT services. Joined NTT Data about six years ago as COO and Chief Integrate Integration Officer, uh, leading the integration of our most recent acquisition, which was Dell Services, about a three billion dollar transaction. And then, part NTT, I was CEO of Fujitsu Americas, another Japanese company. And have had senior roles at EY, Capgemini, HP, and Gempack. Certainly a, a successful and interesting career. Um, what in your job as CEO? What's the most important thing for you to get right, or what does the board measure you on? You know, it's really very simple. I'm measured on sales, revenue, profitability. Um, but personally, I feel like I own strategy and vision with clearly defining and communicating our values, our priorities. I would say this year I spent a ton of my time on one of our corporate values, which is around diversity and inclusion, which, which is not only topical, but really important for us. How so? How is uh, diversity and inclusion important for you guys? Well, I would say over a number of years, we'd made great progress on gender diversity. And then as we really looked at other uh, underrepresented groups, so uh, African-American or lesbian, gay community or uh, people with disabilities, Hispanic, we found that we had lots of progress to make across all areas. And so, you know, given that we're a global company, we really respect and embrace diversity 
um, which is a little bit different than inclusion. You know, including is actually not just having diverse population, but including them, having the groups represented at all levels of the company, especially at the senior most level. And, and I think with all of the, the social unrest we've seen, not only in the US, but around the world, it's been a really important, I think, CEO topic of what are we doing? How are we driving progress? How are we measuring ourselves? How are we making life better for people in our company and in our community? So that, that topic, I think, has been probably one of the single most topics for our employees this year, on top of kind of the other issues we're dealing with, like COVID. Yeah, COVID. Speaking of COVID, how has COVID impacted your business so far? You know, it was um, it, it was pretty stunning when we came through that February timeframe. And one of our centers is actually in Asia and China. So, so we got an early glimpse. But I in uh, February, we pretty much shut down international travel unless people are trying to get home. And then early March, we shut down all domestic travel. And over the course of about a two or three week span, we moved over 40,000 of our employees to remote work. So getting them out of the offices, out of our facilities, out of client facilities to home and enabling that still with delivering upon our commitments and our service levels. We also helped many of our clients move their employees to remote work. And even today, all these months later, about 90% of our workforce is working remotely and the others are supporting essential businesses, which could be hospitals, financial service firms, banks, federal agencies. So um, still the priority is, is keeping people safe. And in fact, we shifted our priorities. Our priorities became resiliency, trust, and safety. Safety of our employees, our clients, our partners. Resiliency in terms of protecting our cash, our balance sheet, making sure that we could uh, navigate through what was very likely going to be a difficult period. And and that has worked extraordinarily well, shockingly well. I think if you'd given us a year or two to plan it, I'm not sure we would have done as well as we did over the course of a few weeks and really enabling it. Not, not only for us, but I, I think across so many companies that I've seen around the world uh, shift so rapidly. And, and a lot of that is just the technology that we're using that we've been developing for years has really enabled that. A lot of it, uh, at least in my experiences, thank good we had, thank goodness we had it, and uh, we didn't realize how fast we could adapt. Uh, <laughs> no, we didn't. Right. So, uh, so that's great. Um, you, uh, I've read about some interesting things. You guys, have, have, for the people that have to that ten percent have to come back, some interesting things that you guys have done for your employees that had to come back to work. Maybe you can give us a few minutes on uh, on that. Yeah, so I would say first and foremost, we, we really zeroed in on, on the sources of information that we found very credible and trustworthy. So World Health and CDC am amongst others. And, and we really instigated a lot of great security protocols and, and safety procedures for the employees. And, and starting with the premise, we want people working remotely from home unless they absolutely have to be in our office or a client facility. Um, we instituted bonuses. So for people that needed to be on site or supporting a client, recognizing that was a different risk profile, um, we instituted premium pay bonuses for people that were working in those environments. Uh, we created, um, uh, help people establish home offices. So for, for lower levels and people at different levels across the world, 
for those that were remote, making sure they had money to go buy a desk and, and a chair and having a comfortable work set up. So that was kind of another part. Um, and, and I think uh, probably one of the most important is just uh, having empathy, being really patient, flexible, allowing people to get their work done when they can, recognizing that many of our employees are young parents with young kids, or they're, they're dealing with aging parents or chronic illnesses and creating kind of flexibility and, and just empathy. And, and having some days where we don't do calls, having some hours that are kind of protected for people, and, and again, allowing them to work in the environment that works for them. And, and it's really caused us to rethink a lot of our workspace. So we're, we're eliminating a lot of offices and locations. We're still gonna have lots of offices, but we're gonna use it differently, creating much more flexible environments, hybrid environments, so that people have a great environment regardless of they're working from home, they're working from an office, or they're doing both, but they've got the same setup, uh, creating kind of, rather than so many static offices, more hoteling, more collaboration space with more uh, big areas for people to collaborate, but still protecting them from a social distancing standpoint. So doing, doing a lot, not only for where we are now, but anticipating that we will have more people coming back into an office environment at some point in the future, but probably not as many as we had prior to COVID. Yeah, I think a permanent change is, is among us. You mentioned that uh, when you joined NTT Data, one of the things you were doing was uh, integration of uh, a very large M&A transaction that, uh, that you had done buying Dell, uh, Dell services. Um, how do you, what do you, role do you think M&A plays in your, has played and is gonna play in your company? I think still very substantial. So, you know, at the forefront, NTT is very committed to innovation at all levels and across all different channels. They, as a company, we spend about 3.6 billion annually on R&D at the group level. Recently, we launched NTT Venture Capital with a half billion dollar fund to invest in startups and early stage, especially around the technology spaces, new innovation, new technology. Uh, we just launched an NTT Research Center in Palo Alto, which is primarily focused on quantum computing and information security. So, so that's one part. We, we invest many, many millions of dollars every year in new offerings, new solutions. Uh, and then as part of that, you know, we see acquisitions as a continuing source of not only our growth, but also accelerating our growth in key markets. Right now, we're very focused on digital cloud security, uh, consulting advisory services. So those are the targets. Um, and I would say, you know, we will continue to have a very strong growth agenda, both of organic as well as inorganic kinds of activities. Um, probably more of the accretive accelerated types of uh, acquisitions we've done in the last couple of years versus the largest, larger scale plays. And it doesn't mean we won't do scale, but that's not our priority right now. We have plenty of scale for the things we're doing, but driving faster into the key areas around cloud digital transformation are very big priorities for us right now. And so what is the perfect acquisition candidate? You know, as you and I have talked before, acquisitions are hard to do and they're hard <laughs> yeah. to do. The right candidate. So, uh, what what's the perfect candidate look like? Yeah, you know the the accountant in me tells me I have to not start with perfect. So, you know, it starts with what's the strategic framework around mm -hmm. our industry, solutions, geography, and then within that framework, 
recognizing our clients are large enterprises. So we look for firms that, that are also serving large enterprise companies, certainly global, multinational, or could scale to that level. Um, and so that drives a lot of it. You know, and again, digital cloud, consulting advisory, th those are priorities. Our key industries around healthcare, public sector, financial service, manufacturing, that's the framework. Uh, and then certainly looking for accretive growth that they can help us both top line, bottom line, um, faster into those areas that are important to us. And, and also kind of goes back to one of the earlier points when you said, you know, what are some of the things important to me as CEO? finding companies that fit our values and our culture that align well, because um, a lot of great companies out there, but whether or not they fit us, they fit our culture, they work well with, with not only our organization, but our clients is the other part that it's an intangible, but it's so key to success for us. When you do go about integrating acquisitions, what have you learned is key to success in the integrations? Because as you know, so many integrations don't work out. So what, what do you look at uh, and, and, you know, ask your team to report on to you about the success in the integration? Yeah. So, so I think you go back to, is there a good alignment of goals, objectives? Is there commonality of values? You know, we're a service company. So the trust that our clients put in us and that service ethics is a very fundamental for success for us. Uh, we look for long-term relationships with our clients where we can grow. And so having that kind of a mindset is important. I would say on the scale acquisitions, you're looking for the integration, both front office, back office. When we look at the more accretive uh, acquisitions around digital and cloud, you know, certainly the back office, but we want to leave them a lot of autonomy and flexibility in how they go to market. So it's more of a coordination than a hard integration. And, and again, uh, we start with either the doctor's credo of do no harm or don't break what's, what's working. And so looking for what's working for them, what are the things that are driving their success? And then how do we build upon that and expand it versus change it? And so that softer front, front end go to market integration coupled with the back office around HR and uh, IT finance is a good, is a good combination, but, but even within uh, HR, if they have very unique pay programs that are working well, you, you know, we want to maintain them and want to maintain kind of the autonomy of that success. And, and that has been a really successful formula for us. And I used to be kind of the old mindset that, you know, all acquisitions are hard, so you may as well do big ones, but I have come a long way in that thinking. The smaller ones are incredibly, uh, creative and have a profound impact on how we think about market, client, and different service offerings. So I, I like the combination well. That makes sense. Let's uh, switch to one of my favorite topics, data. Um, <laughs> but uh, from a, from a, what role does data play uh, in, in your thinking uh, about how you run the business and certainly the offerings that you're delivering to your clients? Yeah. You know, it, it's at the center of everything. And, and, and the world starts and ends with data. Do you have good access to data? Uh, and as we look at integration, you know, how do we make sure that we can protect it, migrate it, move it, manage it, secure it? And all of those components are key to not only any large scale acquisition, but a smaller one, as well as fundamental in so much of what we do across our different service lines. And Sanity has been a great partner for us 
harmonizing data, protecting it, migrating it, uh, managing, cleansing it, moving it. And, and so from that standpoint, it is so key to early on being able to identify what the integration work streams are, as well as being able to migrate through the MA and then have a really successful post integration. So it, it's at the heart of everything we do. I, I can't think of a single MA activity or major transformational program we've driven with clients that doesn't involve data. That's great. And uh, as you reflect back on your career here, um, what, what's some of the best, I always like to ask people, what's the best career advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd say, um, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of great people over the years. So I, I have an eclectic view of life and leadership styles, but but a couple that have always stayed with me that just re really resonated. One is just do business with people that want to do business with you. So when clients and partners want to do business together, they're culturally aligned, they have similar values, priorities, it's an incredible false multiplier for all parties. Um, the other is creating goodwill within the relationships. Always leave some money on the table. Don't try and win at the expense of the other party. Look for opportunities where you both win together and incentives drive you to win together. And a lot of times companies get confused. They, they get so focused on sell to each other, they lose sight of the bigger marketplace is selling together. And so thinking about the priority of the relationships, where you want to create the relationships and the power of them becomes important. And finally, you know, less is more, so keep it simple. You know, we are largely um, serving a business where we serve large enterprises. So I'd rather have fewer clients and large relationships that I can grow that represent our portfolio than a lot of clients where I only we're only defined by one or two things. And so having that simplicity of service offerings, fewer clients where we can really focus, prioritize on their needs and serving them and growing the relationships is, is so fundamental to our success. And I I think that's a success for driving faster growth as well, even though it's counterintuitive. Bob Pryor, CEO of NTT Data. Bob, thanks for joining us on CEO to CEO today. And everybody, tune in next week for the next episode of CEO. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Kevin. Really appreciated the dialogue. Take care. Thank you for joining the CEO to CEO podcast. Join us next time as we uncover data strategies to support mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures with the world's top CEOs.